This is the path we take. I'm your host, Hayden Anderson. And I'm Natalie Lorati. And welcome to our show. And here we are in week two of The Path We Take. I'm Hayden Anderson. And I'm Natalie Lorati. And we are going to talk this week about talk therapy, our experiences with it, um, what we think about it, how helpful it is, how helpful it can be. Uh, but first, let's let's get a, a quick overview of, you know, our mental health situations and uh, kind of a, just a quick history. Natalie, do you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. I can totally do that. Um, my mental health journey has kind of been all over the place. So I'll try to keep it short, but I grew up not necessarily realizing that I had anxiety. I just thought me being like a people pleaser and not necessarily always, I was social and like hung around other kids and stuff, but my parents make the observation sometimes like, Oh, like I would hang out with adults more just cause I would feel more comfortable of and protected. If that made sense of like, at least being by my parents. Yeah. Um, and I had a younger sister who also like, we did know that she had anxiety. And so in a little bit more, I guess, obvious tells of that, of maybe not doing, being able to do sleepovers and, um, just not necessarily wanting to be around people all the time and such. And like those easy tells where mine was, I kept it in a lot more and I would just shut down internally. Push um, I push it down. And also like if in conflict too, my parents would just like, you would just shut down. Um, and that also kind of manifested as I got older and there's some other like traumas that I went through that also led me to spiral into like a depression at like the age of 16, but not realizing it at that time mm. until I was like 19 and in college and just taking so many credits, not being able to get out of my bed and just having that general sense of why am I here and constantly feeling that way too. Of I was on birth control too at that time, not understanding that that was a side effect. Mm-hmm. That made everything worse. And I just remember one day to my parents just being like, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. I was like, and realizing in that moment, I was like, I need help. Cause I was like, I feel like I have nothing to live for. Wow. And so they put me, they're like, you should go into therapy. <laughs> and at that time I was kind of like, no, I want to figure this out by myself. Cause I had an negative association with going to like talk therapy so so how old were you when you first started going to talk therapy 19 okay I was 19 and I went for a couple months and then I went back to start my sophomore year of college and I stopped completely I basically like ghosted my therapist <laughs> and um didn't see her for a little bit. And then my parents tried to make me go to someone because I thought it'd be good for me in Corvallis. I uh, went for a little bit and then I also did not go back to her after a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't until two years later when I was 21 and like beginning mm -hmm. of the pandemic that I was like, I need to go back. It was a really tough time. And I'd worked through some things, but I think the way a lot of us felt, especially being so isolated with the pandemic too, I was like, I need to talk to somebody. And then I was willing also to go. And since then I've been going for like over a year now and it has been the best thing I've decided to do for myself. And that's so, consistent with the, the same therapist. The one that I got ghosted initially. Yes. Oh and yeah. I went back. I went back and I kind of went back with my tail between my legs and I was like, hi, <laughs> two years later, I was like, nice to see you again. And she's like, are there more things we need to work through? I was like, yes, but we got to go back to what we talked about when I was 19 to unpack all of that. And then we can go into this new stuff. So gotcha. that is a short overview of that journey. Yeah. I mean, if we want to go through, through mine, 
Uh, I have, I have a lot of history of depression and anxiety in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first time I ever saw a talk therapist was, oh, I had to be probably about 13 or 14. Um, my, Did you go by choice? Sorry. Uh, kind of. And, and we'll, we'll kind of get into that. Um, my, my sister has had a, a troubling past, especially with depression and anxiety. And, um, after seeing uh, one of her suicide attempts, I think my, my mom was like, hey, uh, we should probably get you into <laughs> some therapy. <laughs> and uh, I was, you know, young, 13, yeah. 14, didn't really want to, but was like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, I'll... I'll go to this doctor's appointment. Cause I was that, I was always that kid that just mom pretty much did everything. <laughs> for them yeah. In terms of anyway, I guess I'll go. Sure. Everything, like yeah. Classic. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go whatever you tell me. Um, and then I went to a family therapy um, a little bit later and that was for, for some similar things. Um, but that was more, that was interesting. Cause that was uh, for, everyone in our family, like doing a group therapy session, uh, again, uh, for, for my sister and, and kind of dealing with a lot of the issues there. And I think it was probably more for her to show like, Hey, this is affecting a lot of people in your family. Right. And, and things like that. And then I would say I stopped going to any type of talk therapy for a couple years. Um, until I was probably, let's see, I had already gone to community college for a bit. And then I don't think I saw another talk therapist until I was 20, 21 when I first went to Oregon State. So that was about like a five-year gap? Yeah, it was probably at least about a five-year gap of like serious depression issues. Yeah. <laughs> um. Was it something that you were aware of was depression or was it just like, this is how I feel? Cause I feel, I feel I, that I at that point I'd already been like, this is who I am at this point. Okay. I'd had depression for so long. I was like, this is just, this is just me. Like this yeah. is my life and this is just what I have to deal with. Um, and then I, I started out of my own choice seeing a, um, a therapist at OSU didn't work out very well and saw another therapist didn't work out very well, saw a third party therapist, uh, that also didn't work out. And then finally, were these all through OSU? Say that again. Were they all through OSU? Uh, the first two were the third party one was not. Okay. And then finally I saw a psychiatrist at OSU and she normally does a lot of the worst of the worst not necessarily just depression cases mm-hmm. but uh shout out to dr dark because she's amazing and that name was like okay yeah i'm, I'm sold <laughs> you're right this is fitting <laughs> and uh yeah i would see her i think so i started when i was probably about 22 21 22 with dr dark and I saw her, I would say every month for a little bit when things were bad. And then once things were a little bit better, it was like maybe once every other month for a little bit, but okay. she was the one that I talked to throughout my, my college career. And I wouldn't say it really did much. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain more into that a little bit later when we dive deeper. Okay. Um, once I graduated uh, there, before that, there was a lot of like, there was probably a good six month span where I didn't really see her at all. Okay. Uh, and then saw was her that by choice. Was that by choice that you avoided her? Yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> and then finally, uh, graduated. And then a little bit of time later, I spent probably four months trying to find a therapist in my, my insurance plan. Cause it just was just awful. Um, and found, found, a a therapist, uh, right out of, right. A little bit out of college and worked with them for a little bit and it was, it was okay. I ended up stopped seeing them 
Um, and then I started working on myself and got really good. Life was great. Kind of got out of my depression. Were you on medication at this time? I have been on medication uh, since I was probably about 14. Okay. And I got off of medication when I was uh, 24. My, or, yeah. The last month of my, of being 24. Mm-hmm. So when I was quote unquote, like in a great place and better, I was actually off of medication by that point. Okay. Okay. Uh, this was 2019 and, um, hadn't, haven't seen really a therapist much. I started seeing one a little bit later here in Tampa, okay. uh, just in 2020 COVID everything, things were getting a little bit harder. Um, all my systems that I set up to fight my depression were obviously no longer there. Um, and I'm sure that that probably happened to a lot of people where like everything that they had built up and like their, their strategies and their plans, their just day-to-day routines got fucked up completely. Yeah. And they probably fell into a depression if they weren't already in one, then deeper. Yeah. That's like a main reason why I also went back to, yeah. like, I have no form of coping anymore with anything. Yeah. And, uh, I have recently started seeing, um, actually my first male therapist. And that's another thing I want to get into. Interesting. Okay. And I've seen him twice now. Uh, however, I'm moving. So it's probably not going to last much longer. Have you been in person for these? Yeah. Okay. Uh, in between them, I mean, I saw a talk therapist for couples counseling, but that, that, that is completely different. I think <laughs> that is something I don't think we need to unpack, um, <laughs> for yeah. this. That's, that's it's still talk therapy in a way though. It's just yeah. not necessarily for self-improvement and helping with depression and, and anxiety and, and all of the fun stuff that we talk about here. Yeah, this is a very bright podcast. <laughs> oh, oh we, we have the best stances on things. We're, we're just going to flip it whenever we can to be the most optimistic that we possibly can. Yeah, hence why I laugh after some things that are just slightly dark. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we, we, let's jump straight into that. Like, have you always had a female therapist? I mean, I've had a lot of therapists, so... So I've only had two and yes, both of them have been female. Mm -hmm. Um, and the therapist that I'm with now, I just like her so much that Mm -hmm. I, and I do it over zoom too. So I don't think I'm going to change at least anytime in the near future. Um, and then initially part of why I went into therapy was, um, a sexual assault trauma and so I was not necessarily wanting to talk to a male therapist at the time I was wanting to talk to a female and so at that time I have only seen female and since there's only been two that's all I have felt comfortable with yeah but it's interesting I guess I feel like the field is primarily female so am I correct about that that's an assumption I mean, I think it's, it's probably an accurate assumption. Okay. I would say there's probably more, and again, I don't have the statistics on this. There's probably more female therapists out there. Um, That being said, I don't think it's a huge difference. Okay. But were you intentionally choosing female therapists or was that just by chance? At the beginning, uh, I would say it was just by chance middle way through when I was in college, um, it was kind of, it wasn't by chance. I think I just felt more comfortable with, uh, a female presence just because of my upbringing was a lot of like men are, you know, not allowed to talk about their feelings. So yeah. if I'm going to talk about my feelings that I, I can't do that with a man because, you know, I was, I was brought up to, you know, men aren't allowed to have feelings men aren't allowed to cry. Men aren't allowed to like, just toughen up, rub some dirt in it and keep going. <laughs> I can't directly relate, but I know what you're, 
referring to so yeah and and i got used to that a lot so when i finally was like i know i need therapy and i need to talk about a lot of these things and supposedly talk therapy helps a lot which hadn't really helped me all that much Mm -hmm. uh before i mean really after college but college helped a little bit because i finally found someone that was like, we're going to try a whole bunch of different medications until they work really. And we're going to try and make sure we find the right one. How long is that cycle that you have to try out a medication? Cause I've never been on medication actually. Is it three months? I would say, I mean, it changes for each medication. Okay. Uh, some of them are probably around like, yeah, three months to, to really get it fully ramped up. Okay. Um, and that's not like going to higher doses or anything when you get a tolerance. It's just like tr- seeing how it is. Obviously, if you get more depressed in the first month, get off of them. <laughs> yeah. You're like, this is not working. <laughs> yeah. This is not working at all. Then you need to, you need to find a way to get off of them. Um, and I have nothing against medication. Uh, I, and I just wanted to get off of medication because I'm a very, like, I can be very forgetful. And if you forget any of your, you know. you're going to feel it and you're going to be, you're going to have a probably more likely to have a depressive episode and you're also going to have a migraine. <laughs> yeah. And if you forget two, Ooh, you're gone for a couple of days, probably. Oh gosh. Okay. And so, yeah, I would say I, I generally picked females like going through college and then right after college I still specifically picked uh, a female um and then when I got out here um in Tampa I was kind of just like you know what let me try like I need to I need to figure out the this male masculine energy thing that I got going I should probably get a male therapist and I, I mean, I've learned a lot since then, figured out a lot of things since, since then. And I, I, I should try and it's, it's been fine. Um, again, I've only had two sessions with him and it'll probably only end up being probably three total since I'll, I'll be moving here soon. Mm-hmm. Um, Will he be able yeah. to do it over zoom or. I think I could, I just choose not to. I, I, prefer in person. I do prefer in person. Yeah. Okay. I have a lot of ADHD tendencies. And if you ever watch the video of me on our podcast, you will see my eyes just going everywhere. <laughs> I am, I am You're not listening, but I'm not watching. I am not sitting still and I am constantly just distracted by different things. Um, I, again, I, I, I don't think I have ADHD. Um, if you want to know, you should get that diagnosed. I have not been diagnosed with ADHD. I have been diagnosed with major depressive disorder and anxiety. Um, I do know I have ADHD tendency though, tendencies though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, when you move to Colorado, are you going to specifically look for a male therapist? Talk. Well, uh, probably. I think I want to. Okay. I want to keep trying this a little bit. It's different. Okay. Not sure how I feel about it, but it's it's it's, it's new, so it's yeah something. I'll try okay. something new, and then a lot of the therapists. It was because you've had two. What what happened with the first one that you or was it the second one that it didn't work out? Well, to be fair, both of them I didn't. I just stopped going on my own, and that was just because I was not ready. Mm. I was by like talking to my parents about how dark it was for me and that like, I didn't want to be here and that other past trauma and stuff. I was like, Oh my gosh, now like people know this. And I had to work through that. And initially when my therapist was wanting to talk to me about it, I just wasn't talking. I was just shutting down. Being ready for therapy, I think is super important. important. Uh, when I was 14 and like first getting into therapy, mm-hmm. that was the dumbest thing that anyone could have ever done for me. I yeah. was not going to open up to anyone. And it was just like, it's a classic teenager of 
you want them to to talk about something that they're they don't want to no i'm not gonna talk about feelings i'm gonna sit there in a corner for an hour look down at my hands and just answer in the smallest amount possible that i can i'm guessing it was the easiest money this person ever made (laughs) and it was the most useless time for both of us that's so interesting because that's also how I was growing up too. Mm-hmm. I was always had this face for everyone of like, I am really happy. I am whatever. But like behind the scenes, I didn't fight with my parents often. But when I did, it was kind of a similar thing where I would just like sit like crisscross, just stare down. And like my parents could be crying or like talk to me anything and in my head I was like no I'm not going to I'm watching two people that I love so much like just like have a conversation with me how are you feeling and I genuinely also remember not knowing exactly how I felt just like I just feel really dark and sad I'm like but I can't tell them that Mm -hmm. I can't tell them these things and so silence was easier yeah, you don't want them to worry. You don't want to be a burden on on the people that you know love you. Yeah. And I could even be sitting there tears streaming down my face. And I still wouldn't say anything. Just because yeah. I was like, I'm no. I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. You don't need to know these problems. I don't want to talk about these problems. I don't even know how to comprehend necessarily what I'm thinking because I'm eight years old. I don't think I should be thinking what I am. And yet, yeah, it was, yeah. My parents would call them like my greatest meltdowns because they did not happen often. But when I broke, I completely just. Shit got dark. It got very dark for them, (laughs) for everybody around. There we go. Goodness. But I didn't realize at that time that was bad either. But now I talk about my feelings all the time with everybody because I've just learned I can't hold things in anymore or else I will explode. And I think it's yeah. the best form of radical honesty is being able to share your feelings because it's more communicative with people and you're not really being a dick because you're just talking about how you feel because you can be radically honest and just be a complete dick. Yeah. But, you, but the radical honesty of sharing your feelings no one can be mad at you for that yeah because this is how I feel this is what is happening to me Mm -hmm. how I'm interpreting everything I had a train of thought and I forgot what it was oh that's fine happens oh I remember um I've also tried to get in the habit of when people like how are you Mm -hmm. instead of answering I'm good just by default not even thinking because that's just like the how I would always answer the question just be like I'm fine I'm okay or like not the best but like I'm working through it just at least having some form of honesty of like I'm actually not great but you don't have to worry about me I am working through whatever it is or I don't necessarily want to talk about it I think because I don't great. I don't want people to think that like I am good when I'm like yes eh, not my best day or like it could be better but I'm it it's better now that I'm hanging out with people or it's just something. Yeah. Just, just a little form of honesty. Bland. I'm good. Just, just doesn't work. I kind of went like, I love that when I realized the similar thing of like, it's just a pattern. It doesn't actually do anything. Like, how are you? I'm good. It serves no purpose. Yeah. I, and you're honest, not even hearing them. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, they're, you're not hearing that I'm good. You're yeah. barely hearing that. How are you? <laughs> yeah. I hear how I'm like, I'm fine. It's good. I'm fine. No good. Way. Talking about anything. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of went the opposite way of when I, when I kind of figured that out, I stopped asking, how are you? I would, I would start asking what's, what's your mental health like today? How are we feeling? Oh, okay. I, I went with, I went with the, the questioner side and just completely would switch that up. Interesting. Did you feel like people's answers changed and that they actually thought about how they were feeling or did it just put you in a different headspace? I would say half of them at least 
it didn't change anything. Like they, okay. they, they didn't want to, they didn't want to do anything, change anything, but it, it at least got passed to some, I would say maybe 25 to 25 to 40% of, of people would actually change their response mm-hmm. because it wasn't the pre-programmed response that they had. If I'm good. And of that, I would say some, some people actually opened up a bit mm-hmm. because a lot of my questions weren't just like, how are we feeling today or something else? That's just a different variation. It was a lot more like, Hey, I understand mental health issues. Is there anything that's been bothering you? Just something small. Like it doesn't have to be super hard to talk about what, 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 what can you label to make yourself feel slightly better? <laughs> and yeah. I, there was, there was some people that would actually open up to me. Um, and I uh, bet those were powerful conversations too, that you might have never known because of the default of I'm good. I don't know if I would have never known. Uh, I, I always, well, I don't know who you were talking with necessarily, but yeah. I feel like I have a very good eye for for feeling out when people are hiding things with a mask specifically over depression Mm -hmm. um just because i am an expert (laughs) i don't hide how i'm feeling well at all no you don't i i I could pick you up like immediately perfectly and you knew i could immediately yeah i was like oh god (laughs) and i started our our relationship with me taking her to practice because she lived on campus and didn't have a car. <laughs> I didn't want to ride my bike in the rain. <laughs> it was like a mile and a half or three miles or something. You wouldn't want to ride it when it was sunny out. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, that's fair. And but so you would listen to me complain like every day. <laughs> it was a five, five minute drive, five, 10 minute drive. Nothing, nothing crazy. Just going through the little town of Corvallis. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I was able to pick it up very easily. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to like try to defend that. I am very readable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some of some of the people I, I was able to tell and they would open up. And I think I think it just created a stronger bond with these people. Um, them, I think, getting a slight understanding that I, I am understanding of people with depression um, and, and other mental health issues. Like I think it, it was always nice to be able to find somebody else that was willing to talk about it. Yeah. Just because it, it's just a, it's a group helping thing. I mean, just labeling something is incredibly important to, to help douse fears. And you'll find this in a lot of self-help books and a lot of different places of just, if you're scared of something or something is bothering you, just writing it down is usually what people say, like, you know, journal, which I think is, I think is great. It's very helpful, but journaling is great. It's been so nice. Yes. And it's, I, I think it's a very valuable practice, but I'm saying more than just like your own mental health, but any type of issue putting a name to it and not just in your mind, but saying it out loud or writing it down, labeling, what is this thing that's bothering me immediately lowers anxiety. Immediately. I I can second that at least for myself. I agree. And I think it's, it's incredibly important to do. And so I think just giving an outlet for people to label something, even as small as like, you know, I missed breakfast this morning because I couldn't get out of bed. I was yeah. like, you know, that, that, you know, I have it. I have an extra meal right here. Like I, I, I brought extra food just in case, or I happen to have extra food today. Do you want some? Just something just, just happens to, to go that way. And I think changing the narrative of just the basic of speaking, how are you? I'm good. Just change something as small as that. It makes I, the biggest difference. Really important. Yes. Yeah. It's huge. And also just for me, knowing that I had people and that I do have people in my corner mm-hmm. where I don't feel isolated or alone 
and scared to talk about what I'm going through. And even I don't necessarily have to be like, these are the thoughts I'm having, but just like, I'm not having a great day. Being with you would make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Can't like, are you free to hang out? And knowing that if I send it off to a couple friends, it, even if they are busy, they're like, I'm still here for you. Just means a lot. Yeah. And it helps. Even if you don't end up seeing them, anyone that day, just hearing yeah. or seeing in a text, like, hey, I'm, I, I unfortunately I can't, but I'm here for you. That, that means a lot to people. Yeah. Even the text back can, can do a lot. Yeah. I sometimes, I mean, I've sent this to you a handful of times too, but just being honest, like, I'm struggling right now. Mm-hmm. Like, can you jump on a quick call or like, just something and just having someone reach out to you back, just getting that validation almost of like, I'm, I care about you. It's like very nice. I I think it's incredible to be able to do that. I also have been on the other side of things of the people pleaser um, yeah. where I, I probably spent about three or four years with my phone volume on hundred percent under my pillow ringer on. Because if I knew anyone needed me at 3 a.m., I wanted to be there for them. Yeah. If somebody was struggling, because I knew, I knew how it felt. And I do, I do a lot of things that are like, I would have wanted this to be done for me. Or I would have at least wanted to have the availability of someone. Yeah. And I, so I feel that 100%. <laughs> I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> as, especially as I, when you're in that way too it's very it can be very draining it can be because even if you don't get a call you're going to sleep thinking I might yeah and that that does cause a little bit of stress and then it's just you're, you got to take care of yourself in a lot of ways too yeah when I say draining though like on the flip side don't feel like reaching out to people like your burden mm-hmm but just also having that check-in with yourself of like, I don't necessarily need to have my ringer on. Yes. 100. I have my phone set <laughs> to do not disturb from 10 p.m. until 3 a.m. Just that has helped my anxiety just slightly of like, okay, from these time periods, no one will call. Like if my- people call twice, then I will hear. But, you know. Mm. Sometimes my sister will just call me because she's like up really late for like no reason other than she just got home from something. So I don't get that notification because it's not an emergency. But if it was called twice, it goes through and then I would wake up. So interesting. Yeah. It's a good when I moved to the East Coast and I had a lot of people on the West Coast, I had to make a conscious decision of like, hey, you're going to miss a lot of people's messages after 10. <laughs> yeah, because... I would, I would be like, Hey, you know, a lot of the time I'm in bed at 10. I went to bed early. I went to bed at 10. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) I am sorry. I wasn't able to get to you. Uh, I'll respond to you in the morning. Yeah. And that is just kind of how it is. Uh, talk therapy though is yeah. I would say it's incredibly important to be ready looping all the way back oh yeah we, we went off hell of a tangent from a, i don't even know what i completely forgot what you were talking about even talk therapy being present and being ready and, and by being ready i i don't necessarily mean like yeah i want to go and and get myself better i mean i did that too like my all throughout college even with dr dark of like trying to, to figure that stuff out i would go monthly And I would talk about a lot of the issues I was having, but I would specifically talk about things I could handle dealing with talking about there. I would, I would leave a lot in the dark because I didn't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't necessarily because I didn't want her to know, or I didn't want like whoever to know that was something I had to deal with very quickly of like, if I'm going to talk to a therapist, they need to be able to know everything. It was, I needed to be ready to talk about anything, anything and everything that came up, whether it made me cry or not. Yeah. And I didn't really do that until after college. 
I didn't want to go to therapy. I knew I needed to because I made a goal that I wanted to get off of my medication. I made a goal that I wanted to change my life. And I don't think the, the effects really started until like I, I had little things here and there when I was completely depressed. And then eight months later, it took me to get out of my depression about. And this is after over 10 years of, of <laughs> working on it, kind of, not really. Yeah. But then being fully ready to be like, I am going to yes. consciously tackle this. I would go into and- these meetings with a full intent of starting off with this is something that's been annoying me lately. This is what's pissing me off. This is what's going to make me cry immediately if I talk about. I always take notes before I go into therapy. Worst thing I could possibly do. What is the thing that I'm scared of to talk about the most? That's what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. And if if you can decide that you want to do the hardest thing in therapy, because it's not going to change anything. They get paid either way. (laughs) They're literally there to help you. You you might as well give them the thing that you're struggling with the most. And I think the important thing is like, they do want to help you Mm -hmm. and they want to build that relationship with you. So you do feel comfortable enough to talk about it. Yeah. And these people, they might be a little bit taken aback because I've taken the different approach of like, I will go right into that shit on day one. (laughs) I did that with my therapist that I came back to basically. She's like, how are things going? And I was like, oh, let me tell you. And I had everything written down. I said, I just told her, I said, I'm going to, I have things written down. I was like, I like, I asked her, I was like, can I just talk? And she was like, yes. And furiously taking notes would say things when she needed to clarifying whatever, but she let me talk for like 40 minutes. <laughs> I think if you're having an hour long session, if 40 yeah. minutes is you talking, I think you're doing it right. Yeah. And then she's like, okay. She's like, I took notes. And then that was, let's walk through. And then creating a point of intention too. At least that's how it has gone for me. Mm-hmm was like picking a lot of like identifiers of things with like my anxiety or depression or whatever it is and working through labeling yes labeling whatever it is and then that's what I did at the end of my first session and then for like the eight weeks after that was just tackling one of those things and then once we got through all the main ones kind of moving through or if something new popped up sometimes like I need to talk about whatever it is right now you let me just talk it's kind of just free flowing so we can say that having a list going into your therapy sessions is great yes I think I think I mean I definitely did that as well of like I I do that because I have a lot of memory issues that I I will blame on the frontal lobe impairment from depression and all the medications I was on I was on I think about eight different medications in my lifetime uh and yeah they definitely fucked me up in some ways <laughs> i can't imagine uh, and also you started like at such a young age as well yes i i did i started very early <laughs> but yeah lists lists are very important making a list beforehand of like hey these are the things that are that i, that I want to talk about or i need to talk about um yeah and it's hard to like say you have to be ready because you're like yeah (laughs) yeah and like you when you and I both started neither of us were really ready or open to but once you do get to that place that's when you will see therapy Mm. is like transformative at least in my case I felt that way because I was like, I'm ready now. And I'm, I can be honest with another person and myself of all these feelings, everything. So when you're making this list of what you want to talk about, are you making it 
throughout the week, like beforehand or month or however long it is? Or are you doing it like the day of like that morning or like the night before? Like, these are the things I want to talk about tomorrow with my therapist. Um, now that I see her like every two weeks to a month, it kind of just depends. I've mm-hmm. kind of been going through like an ebb and flow of being feeling like I'm doing a lot better. So it's been monthly. And then other times if I had the text, you're like, do you have anything this week? Because yeah, whatever. Um, so you like the times that I have texted her throughout the week, it's like some event or something or thoughts. I was like this and I have it in my notes is what I'm talking about. If it's the monthly one where I've had a generally like pretty good month, it's something I kind of do throughout the, the day before. Okay. Of I'll like real quick and say therapists out there, make a service that you can be reached by text. If do you not have one? Can't be reached by text. Like I'm not going to use you as a therapist. Oh, I have her <laughs> number. Like I don't text her frequently. No, I, I, I usually just to. hey, do you have time this week? Or hey, can we meet? Like it, it, I don't ever really text like about my problems. It's always like just scheduling. I hate calling on the phone. Yeah, and I just and or emailing too. I just I need to know quick. Basically, I actually had like a two month like hiatus of therapy mm-hmm. of like May and June kind of just like I felt like I was in a really good place and then I went through that breakup and literally that day I sent her a text <laughs> I was like I was like are you free Monday because I have some things I need to talk about and yeah and so then it's been a lot more steady since then too but I honestly like those two months I didn't see her I did feel like there was a lull, like for myself, at least just not having her to talk to about things. And like, I do have these tools that we've worked on, but I also like having that check-in with yes. her too. And also knowing I can't, the, the accountability, at least for me now. Yeah. And I think having the ability to like, I've had some therapists that will let me do like partial sessions where it's not the full hour. It's just like a, Hey, I only need like a check-in to keep me on this schedule, um, mm-hmm. maybe get 15, 20 minutes and just, just to like, just, Hey, these are, these are like the little things like I've been doing really good lately. I don't need an hour to just sit there and be like, I, I like, I've been doing good. I'm fine. Even if I am like, like just perfectly fine. Like I don't need a full session. Yeah. But just, yeah. Like that accountability and just like, this is what I have been doing and it's working yeah. and then them just to know where you are. Cause yeah, I mean, I, I've been in sessions before where it lulled and I was, even when I wasn't doing great and I didn't really want to talk about it, like, it was just like very basic and kind of useless time. Like we'd get a little bit done, but at least it was better than nothing, I guess. Yeah. There also have been times though where I've gone in thinking I didn't need a full session and then and you really did. And then something she asks a question or all of a sudden in my head, something comes up and it's like this aha moment. And it turns into like a very, I don't even know how to describe it. Like some of them, which has been some of the best sessions I've had of like, not necessarily knowing I had something to talk about and then really being like, Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. here, take this, (laughs) help (laughs) me, help me. I'm having some issues that I didn't realize I was having. <laughs> yeah, I started, this was probably like a couple weeks ago. I was like, I feel like I'm doing a lot better. And then I don't even remember the question that she asked. And like, I almost just burst into tears. I'm like, oh my God, I guess I'm not. And then I started just rambling as <laughs> I tend to. And she's like, oh, okay. I thought <laughs> this is going to be this way. I was like, but it's not, it's not, but it's good. Do you remember the first two sessions you had with these two therapists? Like the first session for each of them or? Yeah. Yeah. How I do. Did, how were they? Let me, let me hear your thoughts on those. Well, the first one I went to, like my parents were kind of making, well, my parents kind of made me go for both of them, honestly, um, with good intention, I will say mm-hmm. like, um, but talking about like that past 
trauma that had like resurfaced like that memory that I needed to talk about I wasn't comfortable discussing with her really because I didn't know her I wasn't even comfortable discussing like what happened mm-hmm. and so I just remember feeling very uncomfortable mm-hmm. in that because I wasn't comfortable enough with processing it in my own brain and I just remember there was a lot of silence I think in that one and then the second one the one in Corvallis I walked in also not wanting to be there and it was I could just tell this woman and I were not necessarily on the same she was a little bit more um there's like chime music going on and stuff and it's just I immediately wrote her off which is like also my fault too but the foo-foo I couldn't handle the foo-foo and I think there's a therapist for every person. And I just immediately was like, she's not for me. I don't want to be here. And so I only went like three times, but I just remember that one. I told her, I was like, I'm fine. I don't know why I'm here. (laughs) Like my parents made me come Mm. and which she definitely could see right through, but I was just trying to avoid going back there. Basically, You You think therapists could see right through our bullshit? every time yeah um maybe not every time but i think a lot of the time because this woman was just still taking profuse notes and was like hmm okay and still was asking certain questions about things and i just give a very bland response because me saying my parents want me to be here is probably a tell sign that there's something wrong especially if you're 19 yeah like if you're 14 and you want your parents like your parents want you to be there okay yeah that's fine yeah because I had expressed to my parents that I wasn't wanting to be here and stuff and was talking and not a, you know, yeah, not a, yeah. And so they're like, we, my mom was like, I found someone you can go to. And I kind of did it because I know, knew that I should have and was kind of wanting to get better, but also just when I met her I was like I'm not ready for this and mm-hmm. would just prefer to work on my own because that's how I feel like I had always done things was internalized it and so then for until I went back to the therapist I'm seeing now I had worked on a lot of things on my own which mm-hmm. was good in some ways but also a lot of pressure too I always think the first session with a therapist is the most annoying, boring session possible. Well, I mean, you've also seen more. Always the same shit. It's. Why are you here today? Yeah, it's, hey, can we, let's, let's get to know you a little bit more. It's like that awkward first date almost type thing. And then at the same time, it's like, so tell me what's wrong with you. (laughs) Let's unpack all of your trauma. (laughs) we don't have enough time these are the the top five just get right into it i guess yeah i really think that the first first session should be like hey these are kind of my issues um very overlaying this is like my family structure this is my friend structure this is kind of the way i am i always feel like the first session should be more of a hangout because you want to be able to be comfortable with your therapist and you don't really need to know anything about them, but you need to understand how they speak and what they mean and just kind of getting that, that bit of communication together to just, and like the rapport to just be able to be on the same page, at least a little bit. Rapport, so important. Yes, it is. And then, you know what? Start the second one, second session with, hey, I saw death when I was four. (laughs) (laughs) Then you can just go straight into it. As soon as you get that first one out of the way, seeing them again is completely different. Your second session, always different. And this is only if you've, you've completely put in, like you are ready, you know you need therapy, you're committed to the therapy. And you start the first one, get that rapport. It's going to suck no matter what. Just kind of have to do it. That second one, as soon as you have that rapport and you've committed, dive right into that shit. Yeah. 
I think, I think it's just, it's helpful to do that. We're both definitely on the same page of needing to be ready for therapy. Definitely. And also it could be like a therapist misalignment of maybe that's just not the person that you need to be. That's why I think that rapport in that first, that first session is important. Figure that out on the first one. Yeah. And so, I mean, I feel like I've been lucky. I've only had two and one of them I've gotten back to, mm-hmm. um, but cause I do trust this person. And if you don't have that too, then I don't think you will get comfortable enough or it will be at least harder to get comfortable enough to open up to them. Yeah. To actually like have the benefits of talking to a therapist. So to, to kind of wrap things up, I guess you'd say talk therapy, very important, but you have to be willing to dive into the deep end. Yes. And I've said that too, of like friends, family, been like, Oh, I think so-and-so needs therapy. And my immediate is like, well, do they want to go? yeah (laughs) because they're like well I don't think I was like well I mean it's a competition you can have and like this could be beneficial but if they don't want to go if they don't dive yet yeah you can't dive into the deep end without knowing how to dive yeah and at least at the age we are and stuff like in our 20s you need to make that choice too it's not like you know an adolescent to be like you don't see this now. I mean, I guess you were 14 and you were forced to, but (laughs) yeah, just being ready. So I'm glad, glad we've talked about talk therapy. I'm sure we'll probably have other things to talk about. But that, I think uh, let's wrap up week two. That was, that was great. We covered a whole range of things about therapy, our journeys, our journeys past, as cheesy as that sounds <laughs> but yeah we I think we touched a lot of the main topics and issues with talk therapy and while there's no correct way to do it getting it out there and being okay to talk about everything with your therapist I think is is incredibly important I agree thanks for tuning in to the path we take i'm hayden anderson and i'm natalie lorati and thank you so much for listening you can find us on all the major podcast platforms feel free to give us only five star reviews Um, leave your comments questions over there and then also follow us on instagram at the path we take pod and you can also follow us both on our personals if you want way less exciting though much much less exciting yeah mine's just my first and last name mine is h anderson 333 thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week see you next week Woo!